Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you once again, Lord. Father, we are here in your presence, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us. Father, as Joshua, when he was there, O Lord, Father, at, at the brink of the promised land, and he was wondering as to how to take Jericho, he saw the captain of the armies of the living God, Jesus Christ himself, with a drawn sword, and he asked him, are you for us or for our enemies? And he said, neither take off the sandals from off your feet, for the place that you're standing is holy ground. And we believe, O Lord, this morning that we are standing on holy ground. And we believe, O Lord, Father, that we are here at Jerusalem that cannot be seen, the spiritual Jerusalem where the teaching of the word of God, the commands from our leader, the captain of our salvation, is spoken forth. And I pray, Father, that all of us will be like soldiers, attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit, that we will hear, O Lord, Father, what the Spirit of the Lord has to say in this last hour of time. For we are living in perilous times, times of intense stress, fierce times, O Lord, and men's hearts failing them for fear seeing what is come, has come upon them. And Lord, we are seeing, O oh Lord, the unpreparedness of not just the, the body, O oh Lord, for, or, but, but even of the soul, O oh Lord, that we are so unprepared, we are so careless. We are careful when it comes to the body, but we are so careless when it comes to the soul and our spirit. Father, this morning, Lord, as Peter said, gird up the loins of our mind this morning. And prepare us for action. Father, for the days that are ahead of us. Strengthen us in your word. Empower us with your spirit. Write your law in the deepmost parts of our inner man. And cause us to walk in your ways. To that end, I pray that you would anoint the speaking and the hearing of today's word. For in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We all have fear. And we've been looking at fears the last... Um, several days in our teachings. And um, whenever the word fear comes, and I just look at myself and I know that one of the most timid guys on planet Earth is me. Right from childhood, I was like that. You no, know, My dad used to say, <laughs> you, are, you are a very timid fellow. You know, this is a, this is a thing that, which is true. I, I, and you may not really uh, think because I, I used to really be petrified standing in front of people. Become so conscious. Of course, things changed after I went to university. But, you know, this is so true. All of us have fears. And most importantly, uh, it is impossible. Very rarely you will find people who really, really uh, have overcome fears. And we all have to. At one point or, or, the, or the other, there has to come a point in our life where we have fearful obedience. But we have obedience. Okay. We may be fearing, but we are obedient. It's a very strange mix, but we have to obey with trembling hearts. So this morning, even as I was uh, listening to all this, all the teachings, I was saying, Lord, how do I have strength and courage when I'm not naturally inclined to be fearless? So, you know, uh, this is what I want to talk about this this morning. Uh, 
strength and courage and how to have it. Uh, I'll be speaking from a very familiar passage in the Bible. But let's go through a few scriptures before we come to the meat of today's word. Second Timothy chapter 1, we know this very well. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. You see, that's exactly what happened to Timothy. He also went into a cave, like if he heard us today. No? He saw the persecutions of uh, his mentor, the struggles that his, his mentor went through, and all the mockings and the scourgings that he had to face for the sake of the gospel. And it is not easy for to be a, a companion of Apostle Paul. Okay, it's impossible. I mean, it's not easy. Dimas forsook him and I really understand why sometimes, no? You know, we're sometimes very tough on Dimas, eh? Dimas, no, look at that fellow. He forsook Paul. Look at the opportunity he lost. Okay, that's, that's something very easy for us to say. But how would we respond when we are with Paul? It's not easy. And, and Timothy himself was one guy who was timid, no? He's, he's a guy who, who went into this cave, if you will, if you want to, Think about it in yesterday's teachings, in terms of yesterday's teaching. He went into his cave and he said, you know, this is enough. And Paul is telling and is enjoying and him saying, fan back to flames the gift that God has given you. Okay, Don't let your cave become your grave. In other words, for why? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline or self-control. And then he goes on to say, I know why you're afraid. He is giving you the reasons as to why you're afraid. Look at what he says in Second Timothy chapter, chapter 1 verse 8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me. I know why you're scared. I know what, what, is, what you're thinking. The way that I was treated in all the missionary journeys that we have been through. And it's not easy. I understand. So do not be ashamed of this testimony of the Lord. Or of me, his prisoner. Instead, join me in suffering for the gospel. How? By the power of God. See? It is how we overcome fear. It is not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. It is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the spirit of the living God which empowers us. You see, we know this very famous proverb in Proverbs. It says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And counsel is generally when you go for war. It's talking in, talk, in the context of warfare. Okay. You know, there's a book, very old book by a Puritan called William Gurnall. Okay. William Gurnall. Gurnall or Gurnall. Puritan. Uh, it's about a thousand pages only. Okay. And he, uh, he writes from Ephesians chapter six. That's his entire treatise in, is not in the book of Ephesians, only Ephesians chapter six. And I read about 20 pages and I gave up. Because I couldn't go beyond 20. And I kept on reading only the first 20. And in that first 20 pages of that book, he makes one of the most powerful statements which I have never seen. He calls what we call a spiritual posture for counsel. A posture for spiritual counsel. What kind of a posture, okay? Like for example, when you are in a class, you see the posture of the students and you know who is who is interested. Some are acute. Some are right angle, some are obtuse. Okay, right angle is indifferent people, I don't care what you teach. And some are like relaxed. And some are listening to you, okay, because they're interested. 
There's so even in, in counsel, there is a posture for spiritual counsel. And look at what he says. What kind of a posture one should not have in order to receive spiritual counsel. Look at this. This is in Puritan words. And if I can write one sentence like this, I think I can retire as a, as a preacher. Look at what he says. A soul deeply possessed with fear. A soul deeply possessed with fear and dispirited with strong apprehensions of danger is in no posture for counsel. Put that in your spiritual pipes and smoke it. He says, soul deeply possessed with fear and dispirited with strong apprehensions of danger is in no posture for counsel. So that is the reason why if 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 a platoon commander he's got a bunch of guys who are fearful and they suddenly got you know rattled by fear it's very difficult for him to gather them first he has to gather them allay all those fears and then speak to them it's impossible for them to receive any counsel until and unless you know they're in for it you see that is the reason why we have heard one sermon which says, let all the fearful go. And I was thinking, Lord, you, am I the first to go? I mean, let all the fearful leave. Look at what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 2. This is not, this is not any ordinary thing. And this is, as, 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 as uh, Warren Beersby says, you know, he says, uh, Christian life is not a playground. It is a battleground. Okay. You are in warfare, whether you like it or not. Okay. So look at what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 20. This is what he has to say. Apart, uh, uh, this is Moses, he is talking to the uh, the next generation which is going to uh, enter into the promised land. So it shall be when you are on, on the verge of battle, that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint and do not be afraid. Do not tremble or be terrified because of them. So when you say do not, do not, do not, these are all what we call as commands. Okay, do not commit adultery. Okay, do not lie, do not steal. Okay, do not bear false witness, do not be afraid. So the same induction, as I said, no? For the Lord your God is with you, is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Okay. And, he, and then he says, this is what the priest has to come and say. No, the priest will say whatever he has to say, but there's a, there's a commander who has to lead. So the commander says, Baba, I want people who are absolutely in gear. He has, he's been geared with my frequency. You know, I think one guy, one preacher said, prayer is supposed to be like a walkie-talkie where we are receiving commands from our heavenly control room. But what we have done, we have made it into a domestic intercom. We have made it into a domestic intercom and we are very happy. What is it supposed to be? It is what a walkie-talkie. We have to we have to be ready to receive commands commands from our control station, our control room, our commander. But what we have done? We have made it into a domestic intercom. We are so happy, no? Just tell us, please pray for me. That's all we do. <laughs> we are not receiving any commands from God. You see, for the Lord your God is with you. And then then he says, and the officers, no, the priests will say whatever they have to say. But the officers, he comes and says, officers will come and say, and makes makes it very clear. Look at what what the officers will say. Then the officers shall speak to the people, saying, "What man is there who has built a new house and has not de- dedicated it? Let him go and return to his house, lest he die in battle and another man, de- man dedicated." In other words, if you are saying, "Lord, one house at least in my life, let me just enjoy," please go. And then. Also, what man is there who has planted a vineyard? Okay, you have invested into the stock. 
and you are waiting for the returns. Okay, okay, stop. Mutual funds, okay. Nivesh Bazaar, no? Nivesh Bazaar, no? Nivesh Bazaar. And then you are waiting for the returns. Okay, go back home if you are waiting for returns. And what man is there who are betrothed to a woman and has not married her? Actually, in Joel he says, even, even let the bridegroom and the bride leave their chamber and come. But here he says, you are going for a battle and if you are thinking about your wife and your children, tata, go back home. Why? Lest he die in battle and another man marry her. You know the story of Charles Wesley and John Wesley, right? Ultimately he had to give up his wife, I mean sweetheart, <laughs> whom he was wanting to marry. You see? And then, finally, look at what he says. The officers shall speak further to the people and say, what man is there who's fearful and faint-hearted, let him go and return to his house, lest the heart of his brethren faint like his heart. We all are afraid of Corona. Don't come to my home, please. Everybody's saying, no? <laughs> don't come, don't come, don't come to my home. Why? It is contagious. But there is another thing which is more contagious than Corona. What is that? Fear. Fear. Exactly. Fear of Corona. Thank you, Samir. Samir. It is a fear which is more contagious. Think about it. No, no, no. I'm not very sure. I'm not sure. It is so easy for people to get fearfully. Immediately. Immediately. So we are going to battle. That's the reason that first for, first for us to leave the battle is all fearful, leave. And second, all people who love pleasure, leave. It's very interesting, no? Uh, he br- brings them to the waters, it says. I, I was just thinking of when did he bring them to the waters? Maybe he made them fast for a few days. Okay. Don't drink water, don't drink. Let us wait for two, three days, you just fast, okay? Suddenly he took them to the water. And you know, those people were, ha, 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 ha. They went and jumped because they couldn't control themselves. There's no self-control in their lives. He said, take them out. Take them out. And then, one set of people who will listen to what you will say and obey implicitly. They will take commands and will not give you suggestions. 300 fellows who will be one mind. They will speak the same thing. They will have the same thought process and they will have the same judgment. Take them. See, so that is the reason why it is so imperative for us to overcome our fears. And it is not possible in us in our natural strength, it is impossible. One lizard can drive us crazy. Not even just big lizard, baby lizard. Ask my wife. My goodness, I was not there at home. <laughs> Look at this me, who's scared of lizards, who's not there at home, therefore they cannot sleep. So how more scared they are of lizards in my home. So that is the reason why fear is contagious, Baba. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy, where are you? What happened, Baba? Lizard. Are Baba? Lizard. What lizard? One small baby lizard. Think about that. Okay. So it is. We are giving. We are not talking about lizards. There are natural fears, right? Okay. We're all. When I look at it, you know, there's a reptile hatred inside of all of us. No, reptile. The only reptile I'm comfortable with is a tortoise. That's it. Tortoise, as Indians call it. Okay. That's it. You know, you knew that rep- uh, tortoise was a reptile. No, not an amphibian. Okay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a reptile. Okay. 
So only reptile which I'm comfortable with is okay, tot is cute. That's it. All right, fine. Not, not all the not all the others give me the Yeah, it goes into <laughs> Hallelujah. Exactly, it goes into its shell. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh man. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So so you see, you see it's imperative, therefore. It is imperative that we overcome our fears. We are on the verge of battle. And therefore, one guy who has to receive the commandments as to be strong and courageous is a leader first. Because if the leader is fearful, the next people are gone. If the head is sick, the whole body is sick. Therefore, you know, the, the Lord first has to deal with Joshua. And contrary to what we believe, I believe Joshua was a very fearful fellow. That is the reason why several times, be strong and courageous. Very strong, courageous. Strong and courageous, just in case you forgot. Have I not told you? Be strong and courageous. Four times it is repeated. So, we'll look at from, from the life of Joshua, we'll see as to what God is telling Joshua and is, he's implying as to how we can develop this strength and courage for battle. For the days ahead, especially. Practical things. And you know what? Sometimes when you look at these things, you'll say how simple they are. But the, it is in the simplicity of those things that we bring, that we develop courage. It is in the little, little things that we should, that, that we are faithful, that we really prove God and God proves us. It is the simple things like food that Daniel was tested in, which actually ultimately gave him the courage to withstand and stand against the king's decree and be ready for even the lion's den. It started, it started with Daniel purposing in his heart not to what? Defile himself. It's a simple command. It started there. And it ended. So what is the most important verse in the book of Daniel? Daniel purposed in his heart. If that verse is not there, Daniel is not there. You see? So it's a simple thing. So when we, when you think about courage, oh, we are saying, oh, what kind of a, what, what should I do in order to bring this courage? Very simple things actually. You see, it's like an oxymoron actually. When you, when you, when you look at the suggestions God gives you, it's, it's incredible how, how simple and very practical they are. Let us read from Joshua chapter one, therefore. After the death of Joshua, oh sorry, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant. Saying, you know, details are given. Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. <clears throat> you know, ye tumara satya hai. Kya satya hai? Moses is dead. You know, get in terms with reality as soon as you can. This is your reality. Who's Moses' comfort zone? <laughs> he will take care of him. Don't worry, Moses is there. No, that, he, that is gone. That crutch is gone from your life. Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving them, and the children of Israel. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give you, as I said to Moses. <clears throat> from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites. Verse 5, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so also I will be with you. I will never leave you, nor forsake you. But it is interesting. Who's he? Joshua, the son of none. That is interesting. No, why the detail is given? You want to know why the detail is given? Okay, let me give you the detail. 
First Chronicles chapter 7. Joshua is from the tribe of Ephraim. Okay. Then Ephraim, their father, mourned many days and his brethren came to comfort him. And when he went into his wife, she conceived and bore a son. And he called his name Bariah because tragedy had come upon his house. Now his daughter was Shira who built lower and upper Beth Huron and Uzen Shira. Rephah was his son as well as Rishpah, Rishpah and Tela his son, Tahan his son. And you're saying, what is Vijay doing with genealogies? So let us see. Ladan his son, Amaihu his son, Elisha my son, was 27. Nun his son, and Joshua his son. So who is the first one of Joshua, of, of Nun? Joshua. Okay, okay, now think about this. Joshua the son of Nun, meaning, Joshua, remember Egypt? How you came out of Egypt? The firstborn son of every person in, in Egypt will die. The firstborn son in in Egypt, whether it is an Israelite or an, or an Egyptian, doesn't matter. Will die. That means you should have died. But in your place, one lamb was slain. That means what? I died for you and I saved you. Joshua, you are the firstborn. Remember that you are bought with a price. You are precious in my sight. You need to understand. This is so important for us to understand. All of us have been bought. So that is the reason why Joshua, the son of man, I bought you at a price. That is the reason why First Peter chapter 1 will say, you know what? It says, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, but from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the what? By the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without spot or blood. You are redeemed. You are purchased. Redeemed means in place of. In place of. I redeemed you. It's a, it's a very important thing, you see. How was he redeemed? He was a precious, as a, uh, by, 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 by the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot and blemish. Remember, when the Passover lamb has to be sacrificed, they have to examine it. They have to test it. And you know what? Jesus was also tested. In every point he was tested. Till the last minute. Should we pay taxes? Okay. Will there be a resurrection? Okay. So many testings after testings after testings after testing. The, the Pharisees were testing him. The disciples were testing him. The people were testing him. Pilate was testing him. Everybody was testing him. Ultimately, you know what it says in John's Gospel chapter 12. He says, Lord, Father, glorify my name. Glorify your name. And, he, and you know, they hear a voice from heaven saying that, I have glorified it already. So he said, in every area he was tested and tempted and yet he did not sin. So, so Joshua, know that you are purchased. God owns you. You are in God's hands. You know, remember, it says uh, to the seven stars, to the seven churches, who are the seven stars? The seven angels. And where are they? In the hands of Jesus. In the hands of Jesus. Jesus owns, owns them. In his hands. Okay. Understand this. So one of the things that you need to understand, Lord, you purchased me. You redeemed me. I am yours. Reiterate that. So Romans chapter 8 will say something very powerful. He says, what then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And why? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he with him not freely give us? How many things? 
all things all things pertaining to life godliness all things pertaining to to spiritual warfare all things pertaining to 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 overcoming sin everything that you need he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places where in Christ Jesus so first understand this everybody needs to have this have this assurance that you are saved have you been reading See, all of you who are listening to me, if you think that you are going to overcome this fear without being born again, it is impossible. You have to be very, very sure. And know that you have been redeemed, that you have been born again, that you have been purchased into the kingdom of God. This is such a, such a most fundamental truth that many, many believers, so-called, they think that they are believers, they still haven't been born again though. So you have been purchased. Then, let's go on. Joshua chapter 1, okay, let's move on from verse verse 6 onwards. Be strong and of good courage. Why? For to this people you will divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Why should you be strong and courageous? Because the ministry that you are asked to do, you need strength and courage. It is not ordinary. Spiritual ministry, you need strength from God and courage from God. That is the reason why Ephesians chapter 6 will say, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Be strong in the Lord. Every ministry, doesn't matter what simple ministry that God has entrusted into your hands, doesn't matter. You need what? Strength from God. Look at what it says in First Peter chapter 4, verse 10 onwards. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the very grace of God. Whoever speaks so as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as a one who serves by the strength that who supplies? God supplies. In order that in everything, God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. You see? So, you need strength for the ministry that you have, that God has entrusted into us, into our hands. Therefore, he says, be strong and be courageous. You have to be courageous. Because it's not going to be easy ministry. Colossians chapter 1. Look at what he says. Him we preach, Paul. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working which works in me, what? Mightily. Okay. So you need strength and courage for the ministry that, that, that I've entrusted. Because you know what? Very rarely people will accept your ministry. They will give you what we call as the look. They'll give you looks. One of the fellows who was scared of looks was Jeremiah. He had what we call a scopophobia. Scopophobia means, what is he thinking? Why is he looking at me like that? Look at what he says, Jeremiah chapter 1. Therefore prepare yourself, gird up the lines of your mind. And arise, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 17. And speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces, lest I... <laughs> dismay you before them, you know. Jeremiah is caught between God and I said the devil and the deep sea, like kind of a kind of a situation for him. You see, he says, "Do not be afraid of the faces. You need what courage." So, in other words, if you stand before the face of God, that is the reason why who can abide in His tabernacle and who can stand in His presence? It says, you know, the word for presence in the Hebrew comes from the from the Hebrew word panaim, which means faces. My presence shall go with you. What, my face shall go with you. So what is, what is, what is, what is uh, Moses doing? He's constantly in the presence of God. He is, how is he talking to God? Face to face. Once you talk to God face to face, you will be, will you be afraid of anybody? No. No way. Okay. 
So, deal with fear. How do you deal with fear? Stand in the presence of God every day of your life. You see, why? what was the reason that Apostle Paul was so bold? One of the reasons why he was bold, because he says, I endeavor to keep my conscience clear before God and before man. So yeah, no, nothing to fear. My conscience is clear. And in as far as I'm concerned, there's no unconfessed sin in my life. That is the reason we keep on saying, keep what? Short accounts with God, you see? And then, see, Jeremiah, you will say, Jeremiah, they will fight you. (laughs) But they will not prevail. Who will fight you? Your own people will fight you. You see, that's what he says now. He made the world, but the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. So first thing, you understand, we need to have this, this, this courage because the ministry that God has entrusted into our hands is not an easy ministry. There will be scrutiny like no man's business. If you are in the ministry, I'm telling you, you will be tested in every point. All your relationship will... You see, it is easy to be a professor. I'm telling you, you know, 1,500 times it will increase in the days to come. Easier to be a prof than to be a pastor or a teacher of the word of God. The scrutiny is unbelievable. You're tested in every point. You're in, if you're a, if you're, if you're a lab and if you're, you're a lab ka raja, you can come at any time and you can go leave at any time. Not so with ministry. You are your boss. Even the dean will not touch you. You know why? Because you're getting a lot of funding to the university. Oi. Why are you not coming to my class? Do you want me to leave? Oh, no, 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 please stay. <laughs> see, see, <laughs> see, because you get a lot of funding. I was, I was, I was, I remember when I was, uh, when I told my professor I'm not getting into full time, I mean, getting into professorship, I'm be leaving the university, want to be getting into ministry. My dean called me. You see, the, the deans, which I, there's a position in Triple IT, there's a position over here. They don't want to lose you. They don't want to lose you, you see. So, that is easy. It's very easy. My goodness, one, one, one semester you teach from next semester, they are under your feet. Not the Satan, but the students. <laughs> you see. <laughs> the first, first, first semester when I taught, they gave me the look. And the next semester, I gave them the look. Full, full, pata, pasa, paladga, ekdam, no? So, Ezekiel, so, like, he tells Ezekiel to Ezekiel, son of man, I'm sending to it, sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious people, rebellious nation, that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are impudent and stubborn children. I'm sending you to them, and you shall say to them, thus says the Lord. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse. I mean, sometimes they might just stand up and walk out of the class. If that happens in my class, <laughs> no way. <laughs> For they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. And then it goes on. As for And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, not be afraid of their words. Though briars, imagine, people are what? Briars, thorns, and scorpions. Bah. Have you seen a scorpion? In other words, just imagine scorpions in the class. Stings. Where, are they, where is the sting? In the tail. How do they sting? 
Once you turn, they'll sting. Do not be afraid of their words or be dismayed by their Ah, they'll give you the looks. You know, some, sometimes you have to go to some churches and you are asked to preach. No, they'll give you the look. The stone. They have got a poker face. They, they say, I am not going to receive your word. Period. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse. For they are rebellious. But you son of man, <laughs> hear what I say, do not be rebellious like them. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. You see, this is this is ministry. Therefore, what should you have? Strength and courage. One criticism, we go into a shell. We become tortoise. Oh, he told me this. Pastor called me this. Gone? Mother said this. They're, they go into a shell. And they drown themselves in tennis on television. It's an escape route for many of them. Entertainment is diff- it's an escape from reality. Why do you think people consume entertainment? Because they want to live in a virtual world. They want to escape reality. Why is addictions increasing during Corona? Simply because they do not want to. They don't have the courage to face reality. And you know what God is telling Joshua? Moses is dead. Get Come to terms with reality. Come to terms with reality. This is your Satya. This is your Vastav. As so- the sooner you come to the reality, the better for you. Accept it. Understand your calling is much, much higher. Look at what it says about the calling from Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brothers, partakers of what calling? The heavenly calling. Okay. It's a heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and high priest of our convention. This is not an ordinary calling. See, the callings on earth, <laughs> it's okay. If you miss the calling from God, pause. The, 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 the loss in eternity is something which you cannot redeem. Over. It's done. There's only one life. That will soon be lost. And whatever you do for Christ will only last. Okay. Then, therefore he says, Paul tells Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, he has not given us a Spirit of fear, but of power and love, love of, uh, and of sound mind. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, look at what he says. He has saved us and called us to a what? To a holy calling. Not because of our works, but by his own purpose. So understand first, the calling that you have is a holy, separate calling. Everyone has been called. And like pastor said yesterday, no? what God has called you to do, only you can do. It is unique and tailor-made for you. That is what I believe with all of my heart. So there is no place for jealousy, anxiety, what is co- competition, nothing. Because you have your race. In fact, if you help other people in their race, is good. Is good. But if you try to find uh, run in other other uh, track, you know what happened? You will be disqualified. Your race, find it, finish it. So what does Jesus say? My food is to do the and. And finish it. Yeah. Okay, so that is very important. Tetelestai. Finish. There are only two people who said that in the Bible. One is, one is Jesus and the other is Apostle Paul. He was confident at least. So therefore, Second Timothy chapter 2 says, Therefore, you my son be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You see? 
You see, first thing, therefore you have to understand that you've been purchased by what? By the very blood of Jesus Christ. You know what he said? On the cross, he was tested in every point. Even on the cross, what did he say? Father, forgive them. And he released us. Think about it, no? I think Derek Prince who mentioned this powerfully, powerful uh, insight. He says, when, uh, when Stephen was being stoned, what does he say? Lord, do not lay this charge against them. You know what he says? He forgave all those people who martyred them and if he wouldn't have forgiven them, we wouldn't have the letters of Apostle Paul because he released him with his forgiveness. Wow, what an insight. Apostle Paul was released because Stephen forgave. You see, understand this. We'll come to that in a, in a while. Therefore, Joshua, be strong. Why? Because the ministry that God has called you for is not, it is unique ministry. It's a holy calling. It's a spiritual calling. Therefore, you need spiritual strength and spiritual courage. That is the reason. The reason, now next is how to have it. Joshua chapter 1. Let's read verse 7. Only be strong and very courageous. That you may, what? Observe. You see, for obedience, you need what? Courage. Not to fight. We think we need courage to fight. <laughs> we need actually courage to obey. Christian life, to obey you need courage. Simple things. Says courage is obedience. You know that? Whenever you obey the simplest of commandments, you are actually showing that you are courageous. Getting up in the morning and coming on time to the church is? It's a simple thing. But what? It is courage. How many of you think like that actually? You see how the, what kind of a categories that we have in our minds? The God has to shatter all those categories actually. That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the left, left, uh, to the right or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. So how do you do this? How do I prosper and how do I obey the commands that God has given me and how do I not turn to the left or to the right and therefore how do I get strength and courage? Is a question. It's very logical. In order to get strength and courage, I should obey the law. I should not turn to the left or to the right, from all that I commanded you. Therefore, in order to do that, and therefore gain strength and courage, what should I do? Joshua chapter 1, the next verse, verse 8. He says, this book of the law shall not what? Depart from your mouth. That is the reason why it says in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell in you. Yeah. Be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and strong songs, songs of worship. So, and, and, and how do you do that? Let the word of God not depart from your mouth, but you shall. You know, the word for meditate is a very powerful word. The word is in Hebrew is hege. You know what hege means? Have you ever seen a lion eating its meal? That is hege. See National Geographic. Concentration of the millennium. It's like eating it. First it kills it first. It doesn't eat it alive. Hyenas eat alive. Okay. Conquers it. Takes the wind out of it. Kills it and then eats it. You shall meditate upon it. Day and night. What should you have? The word of God. And the meditation of the word of God. Where does meditation take place? In your mind. Okay. It's called rumination. Have you seen rumination? What we do? Eat nicely. That is memorizing is basically eating. Indiscriminately. So we eat indiscriminately eat food. And later have trouble. 
But you know what God says? Indiscriminately eat the word of God. Memorize chunks of it if you can. If you are, if you are, if you have the ability. And then what happens? Later get it out. And start thinking about it. I'm telling you so many times, I used to go on the roads and I used to get so irritated with people around. You know what I had, what I did after that? I memorized uh, the entire book of Romans till chapter 8. Not the entire book starts again. Okay. Till chapter 8 I memorized. And what I used to do is, in order to not get irritated with people, I used to keep on speaking to myself Romans. And by the time I was to come to the Bible study, the Romans has been got out. And I, was, I, would have, I would have thought over, over and over and over again on certain things from Romans chapter 8, for example. It, it was a fantastic experience. And I'm telling you, it's something which you can, you should, it's, you, it's subjective. Okay? You can really enjoy. So, eat discriminate, indiscriminately and bring it out and think over it over and over again. That is the reason why you need to sleep also. So that, you know what? Your subconscious mind... Takes in, and then the word of God percolates into the deepmost parts of your inner man, and it becomes a part of you. Dreams come. You keep the math. What they will dream is only math. That's exactly what is happening to Abigail now. No other go for her. Papa, numbers are coming in my dream. Good. <laughs> okay. By the time I have put a target, 2020. By the time you finish. Not 2020, 2020 tables. By the time you finish summer holidays. Okay. My wife is, oh no, don't push her. No, 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 no. It's not gonna work. <laughs> you see, this is, you have to start dreaming like that. that. That's the reason why we sleep. Why do we sleep? So that what we heard, read, made it our thought through in during our conscious mind, it goes in and percolates and becomes a part of our inner man. So, therefore, 1 John chapter 2, look at what it says. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you. What has happened? The, you, the, the word of God has found a place of rest inside of you, and you have overcome the evil one. So, this is new covenant, and this happens in the new covenant. See, there is a difference in the old covenant and the new covenant. Old covenant is the religion of ritual. New covenant is the relig- religion of the heart. Old covenant is, old covenant is of the letter. New covenant is of the spirit. Old covenant is external. New covenant is internal. Old covenant is about pleasing God and pleasing man. New covenant is about pleasing God. Not, 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 not man. Primarily we are pleasing God. And that what does God do in the new covenant? This is what he says in Jeremiah chapter 31. He says, behold the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. And what happens because of the because of the new covenant, verse 33, I will put my law in their minds and I will write them in their hearts. In your minds and in your hearts. So what should change? Your thinking has to change. Your thought processes have to change. So in order to gain strength and courage, what has to change, what has to be replaced, I have identified through the course of study from different men of God in my own life, three important thought processes which have to be replaced by the word of God. Okay? So that we gain what? Strength and courage. As I told you, as I I said, this is very practical. Very, very practical. Let us see. First thought process. First thought process. Jeremiah chapter 4 verse 14. Thought process, okay? 
You should have the mind of Christ. Be, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing, not the removal, but the renewing of your mind. So look at what it says in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 14, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Oh, Jerusalem. Who is Jerusalem? You and I. Wash your heart from evil, that you may be saved. How long will your wicked or vain thoughts lodge or harbor within you? Now look at this. Let me no, let me just try to explain this to you. What is there in your hearts? But in your hearts and your minds, thoughts. What kind of thoughts? The the the, the Bible says vain thoughts. Uh, or wicked thoughts, or evil thoughts, the Hebrew word is iniquitous thoughts. So what kind of thoughts did you have that your old man had? Iniquitous thoughts. What are those thoughts which they, which empower sin and torment the soul? What do they do? They empower. See, for example, what do, what do I mean by that? Iniquity has two meanings. First, it's something which empowers sin. And you know, there's also punishment associated with the sin. For example, you know what uh, what Cain says? My punishment is too much for me to bear. And the word for punishment is what? Iniquity. So there is a there is a there is a thought process which empowers sin and also torments you. And what are they? They are lodgers, tenants who have occupied your mind rent free, messing it up. Imagine, okay, imagine my landlord, no. Very nice man of God. Very nice God. Very nice God. He constantly comes and inspects his home, the apartment. Okay, he will see the taps. He will see the. He will see the uh, the the bathrooms. Okay, he will come to the kitchen and he says, "Vijay, uh, put a exhaust fan." You know why? Because the fumes from the oil come and stick to the wall, and you have all these black marks. I didn't know all this. Okay. So the landlord will say, do it, and if it's not very, you cannot uh, paint it, you cannot wipe it off with a soap. So, you know, keep it clean, use an exhaust fan, etc. He doesn't, he does and comes, uh, and inspects the house to see if the tenant is doing well, and is it profitable for me to have Vijay or not. Basically, that is what his agenda is. So imagine a, imagine a tenant, okay, who comes to your home, messes it up, okay, messes the flooring. He puts nails all around. Okay. Messes up everything and he doesn't pay rent. Okay. The windows are broken. Doesn't care. Doesn't replace. And when you come and ask, demand for, ask for rent, sir, I don't have anything, anything to pay, to pay you. He is occupying your space rent free. What is he, what is he doing to your, doing to your home? He is lodging there rent free, destroying and messing it up. You know, the one one and one translation will use the word harbor. You know what harbor means? Anchor. You know, in Telugu, we are into tishta. Tishta means uh, this fellow has come here and he's not going to move out of this place. Very difficult to uproot him. You know, those days, if uh, relatives come home, we are very difficult to uproot them. <laughs> okay, they come and stay for days and days. You know, one one month before wedding, one month after wedding. What are they doing? Eating. Nowadays we don't do all those things because those days they used to have waiting for seven days. No, one day, Corona days, ah, online. I like that. Okay, there are tenants which are lodging in your mind rent free. What are they doing? They are causing you to sin and they are tormenting your soul. And you know what says? 
How long has it been there? For a long time. For a long time. How long? Thought patterns in your mind. And what are they doing? They are taking the space rent free. What should you do to those lodgers? Approve <laughs> them. That's what it says in Genesis chapter 6 verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great and every intent of the thoughts of his heart are what? Evil. How How long? Continually. And they're tormenting. For example, unforgiveness is a tormenting thought. They, initially I will not forgive. Nice pleasure you'll get. After a while, you're drinking poison you're expecting that fellow to die. Matthew chapter 18. Look at what it says. Then, then his, his master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you. Should you not have compassion and forgiven your, forgiven your fellow servant? And his master, verse 34, was angry and delivered him to the what? Torturers. And he tormented them day in and day out. Wicked thoughts. Iniquitous thoughts. Which empower sin and who have occupied space. That's the reason why. <laughs> Don't take somebody else's garbage into your home. Oh, somebody was telling, no, I think Prashant Kishore, recently when uh, Mamta Banerjee won the uh, a Bengal election, a lot of people from within our camp, they became turncoats and went into BJP camp. You know what Prashant Kishore said? They were all rotten eggs. And we took all the rotten eggs and we put it out of the house. BJP came and took them into their house. And what do you have? Rotten X. H2S. Hydrogen sulfide. <laughs> you see? Smelling. Stinking. That is the reason why do not listen to gossip. Do not listen to any. They mess up your mind. Oh, Ravi Zak did this. What, is, what, is, what, what happened to you? It messed up your mind. That, that is why he says, think on things which are noble. If there is any benefit and any virtue, think on those thoughts, my dear brothers and sisters, he says. See? Why? They, they torment your soul and they not only torment your soul, they defile your home. They defile. You know, in, in, in these thoughts, wicked, iniquitous thoughts defile your home. Look at what it says. In Mark chapter 7, this is what Jesus has to say. And he said, what comes out of a man that defiles a man. From for from within out of the heart of men, evil thoughts. You see? Adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, and even I'll blasphemy. All these evil things come from within and they defile. You see? So there are iniquitous thoughts, thoughts which torment you, thoughts, thoughts which really, really, really defile your mind, and thoughts which if God were to put on the screen, you will be Ashamed of. Think about it now. If God were to take our thoughts and to put them on the screen today and give them some graphics also. Render it in not 3D anymore because in heaven we will have multi-dimension. That is going to be one heck of a day, isn't it? That is the reason why he says the thoughts and the secrets of men will be judged. So therefore it says in Romans chapter 6, you know, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. What fruit did you have in these things of which you are now, what? Ashamed. But the problem is not not many people are ashamed. That's what it says in Jeremiah. One of the constant indictments about, of God about his people, my people have forgotten to blush. Siggu in other words. 
They don't have shame. They flaunt their wickedness. They have listened to folly. Whom, have, whom, whom did they listen to? Folly. Madam Folly. Look at Madam Folly. A foolish woman is clamorous. Proverbs chapter 9. Verse 13. Simple knows nothing. For she sitteth at the door of her house on a seat in the high places of the city to call passengers who go right on their ways. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither and ask for him that wanteth understanding. She says to them, what, should he, what does she say? Stolen water is sweet. Bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that our guests are in the depths of hell. That is folly. You see? Don't nurse it like Ahitophel, no? Nursing bitterness. Planning, 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 planning. He must have planned it out as to how to finish off David. A million times in his mind. And he executed it with precision. Nursing and nursing and nursing and nursing and nursing and nursing. Festering. And one day it comes out. Absalom trying to, trying to hide and hide and hide and hide. Trying to, one day it comes out. Don't deal with it. One day it will come out. What are they? Iniquitous, wicked, evil thoughts which torment your soul, defile your mind and empower sin. That is the first kind of thoughts. Second thought pattern. This is very interesting. Proverbs chapter, sorry, Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. The word is very interesting. You know what it is? They are indecisive thoughts. What is that indecisive thoughts? I am going to give to God regularly from next month. Okay. I am going to pray every day from tomorrow. You see? I am going to give my all to God tomorrow. I am going to give up this sin like Pharaoh tomorrow. Last one day I want to enjoy this sin. Last puff. Indecisive thoughts. You know what? These are thoughts that originate from a double mind. You know, where where does this happen? Do you want to know? Indecisive thoughts. First Kings chapter 18. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets of prophets together on Mount Carmel and Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you what? Falter between two opinions. That is what it is. Indecisive nature. If if the Lord is God, worship him and Baal is God, worship him. And the people said, nothing. They're still not. Think about it, no? Everything is going around in the world. Today, yesterday, pastor said that Prime Minister Modi is talking about a new world order. You know, when I heard this for the first time, when George Bush spoke in the in uh, the U.S. Congress on his uh, State of the Union address in 1991, he talked about the new world order then, very openly. And then we have everybody in masked in the Parliament, and one one gentleman is talking about the new world order openly, open. New world order with one world religion. We don't even one world currency. Everything one. They want to you. They want to make you so for for the for. See you see. It says for the antichrist. Either you should have something on your forehead, name, or a number. 
for the for the kingdom of God, name on your forehead. That's it. He knows you by name. For Antichrist, you're just a number. So that is the reason why all these things are statistics. How many people? One million people died. See, there are one million individuals. Have you ever not thought about it? One million individuals. One billion mothers, if they have lost, they have lost their husbands, they have become widows. Children have become orphans. And what are we? Still faltering between? We are waiting. Don't come to my house. Don't touch me. Because I'll keep myself safe from COVID. One day when COVID is gone, I want to go back to the world and enjoy it. You know what is happening? There are millions upon millions. I'm not talking about normal people. Christians who are in the valley of what is called as valley of decision. They still haven't decided for Christ. Joel chapter 3 verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near. Where? In the valley of decision. It's there. It's right there at our, at our doorstep. Like Pastor was saying yesterday, no? Um, how can we pray that these plagues will go away? Because Jesus himself said, it is bound to happen. And this is the beginning of what? Of birth pangs, of sorrows. And what are we supposed to do, Lord? Come, Lord, Maranatha. And if, an, if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, what are we doing? You are still making a decision. One day we love him, the next day we don't love him. We are so indecisive. We still haven't made our decision. I'm going to serve God from tomorrow. When I'm going to become this and this and this and this and this, then I will have the crime and then I will... It is today. That is the reason why he says, today, if you hear his voice and gather together as much as possible, as long as it is called, today. Because tomorrow is never promised. These are what? Indecisive thoughts. Double-minded thoughts. These are thought patterns and everybody has it, no? I will, I will come, I will come for one last, one more paper and I will submit it and I will have justified myself as a researcher, then I will leave your job and I will, then I will come. And it will never happen. One, one more, one lakh rupees I will, I will, I will earn and I will settle my family and I will come to the ministry. It's not gonna happen. It is never gonna happen. Because you know what is gonna happen? Satan will see to it that you will not get it. God also will see that you will not get it. And what will happen ever, ultimately you will get into a shell and you will be content like Moses yesterday. You have to make up your decision, make up your mind. In other words, you know, sing that song, I have my mind made up. Yeah. And I won't turn back. You see, you have to have your mind made up. You know, I, I remember when I was, uh, we just joined PhD. I got a job in a company called Eaton. Eaton in Pune. Dream job for me. Dream job. First interview, aced it. Second interview, telephonic interview from US, aced it. They called me for a final presentation. The HR was excited. My boss was not. From the current company, you know. So I had to tell him, I I got all these resumes, everything done, and I got this interview call, everything done. I had to tell my boss, sir, uh, I just wanted to tell you something. Uh, Sir, I think I got a job and I just to, at Eton, sir, I just want to finish that and I just want to finish the interview and I'll come back. He says, he just got up, he got petrified. No, he said, Vijay, what is, what is going on? Sir, job, sir. Very good salary, sir. And he said, and what are, what about a PhD? He said, sir, um, I'll do part-time, sir, because it's, it's a core job. It's not a, it's not a, uh, a desk job. It's a core job. It's in our field, sir. It's in robotics, sir. So let me do 
work there and I will also do my research. You know, so Vijay said, Vijay, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And let me tell you, he said, straight up, he said, Vijay, if you stay with me in, in my company, in my, in my, in my, in my lab, your stipend will be what? 25,000 rupees or 30,000 rupees. I'll not be able to pay like the way the company pays, but knowledge or money, you have to make up your mind. You cannot put your hands in, legs in, uh, at the breaches, right? Pastor, at the breaches. You will tear at the breaches. Split at the breaches, exactly. It's impossible. You know what? People in the world recognize it. You know, one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the politicians which I'm getting really uh, nice, I mean, I really like her speeches. I don't know. I agree with her ideology completely is Mohua Mitra, Moitra. You know what she says? Every four years I feel like an idiot. And she made the statement. You know what she says? When I was in the top of the class, when I was uh, in the university, in the, in the college, I was the top of the class. And they say, no, if you're in the, if you are in the, if you are in the top of your class, you are in the wrong class. What did I say? Ah, you just put that in your mind, okay? If you are the top of your class, you're the wrong class. So what she, what she, she got a, she got a admission in a university abroad. She went there and everybody was the top of the class there. And she had to work hard, she worked hard, work hard, and she became one of the top bankers, investment bankers, and she was earning very well. And one day, she decided to come as a, uh, politician with a ticket from Bangladesh border. Under TMC. And people said, in her, in her, her colleagues said, why don't you take a sabbatical? See if this works. And if it doesn't work or come, work, come back. You know what she said? If I go, I go all out. There's no turning back. And I said, you know what? If she was a Christian, man, what kind of a Christian she would be? You know, people in the world realize that if you have to go all out, if you have, if you have to get something, you have to burn all your bridges. If one man puts a hand on his plow and he turns back, he's not fit for the kingdom of heaven. You cannot be indecisive during this time. Either you're for him or you're against him. You're gathering with him or you're scattering abroad. When I was reading that interview, was, my adrenaline was pumping. I was talk, talking to Justin. He said, your adrenaline is pumping. I said, boy, she excites me. She, if she were a believer, she were a believer. No turning back. See, see, you they realize it. And what does what? Why, why do many people are scared? Because they are scared of loss. And one of the scares is FOMO, fear of missing out. Luke's Gospel, chapter sixteen. No servant can serve two masters. Either he will love the one and hate the other. He will be loyal to the one and he will be despised the other. You. What? Cannot serve God and mammon. That's what he's going to say, you know. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask. Why? If he asks with doubting, he will receive nothing. Why? He's un- double-minded, unstable in all his ways. So there's only two options. Be hot or cold. Gather with him or scatter abroad. No, you have to make up your mind now. Am I going all out with Jesus or I'm going to, I'm going to wait. There are, that is the reason why he says, Lord, search me and know me, know my anxious, indecisive thoughts and lead me in the way of everlasting life and grant me the grace that I will have my mind made up, God of my minds for action. Jeremiah chapter 8 verse 20. The harvest is past, the summer is ended and we are not saved. 
one and a half year, no? We were just talking in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, Peter and I were talking. I said, Pastor, I said, one year is over, Peter of lockdown, 2.0 started. And he said, Pastor, it's one and a half year. Two summers and one harvest gone. Have you made up a mind? Have you made up a mind? This indecisive attitude? Next. Final thoughts. First is what? Wicked, iniquitous thought patterns. Second thought, indecisive thought patterns. Third thought patterns is what I call futile thought patterns. Time-waste thought patterns. How many of you have time-waste thought patterns? I have. I remember one day when I was thinking about my B.Tech college. Early in the morning instead of studying the Bible. After I came into the ministry. Recently. Thinking, thinking, thinking about my friends and my, and my colleagues and my, and all what they have done and what they have become. You know what? One and a half hour wasted. And then I realized what has gone. Lord. And I was enjoying it actually. Oh, I was thinking about that, that fellow, this fellow has to enjoy good, they were not good old days. Look at what it says. 17. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it. This is the NIV. In the Lord. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Futility. Futile thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts having lost all sensitivity. They have lost sensitivity. They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of who comes to your mind when you think about this? Numbers chapter 11. Now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel wept again. They wept for food. I mean, have you seen your children weeping for food sometimes? She didn't give me that piece. Weep. But they will never say, I didn't get that problem. They wept. Oh, today I committed sin against the Lord. Did I weep? No. Today I didn't get chicken chicken piece. Leg piece. I remember one, one, one pastor, in a pastor's conference, they were, they were serving chicken. And uh, one pastor uh, got the leg piece. The next pastor got the neck. The next pastor was so upset. And he was raising a hue and cry and the, and the pastor was organizing the meeting. She, he came out and he said, Aigaru, what happened? He said, they are showing partiality. What is the partiality, Aigaru? He is getting the leg, I got the neck. He said, Pastor, we, we actually had only one chicken. How many legs will one chicken have? How can we show equality with one chicken? One chicken we cannot show equality, Aigaru. You see? Equality. Equality. Oh, I didn't. Distribution of Idlis during those days in the first church. The Hellenists and the Jewish. Stephen had to come. Man full with the Holy Spirit. I was thinking, Baba, distribution of food and man full with the Holy Spirit. They are giving us less food. Think about it, my dear brothers and sisters. They lusted with intense craving. 
do you remember tastes ah you remember oh yeah of course you remember it's so things are very difficult to get rid of the pleasure that one movie gave you a song that gave you you burst into a song so easily and not gospel of course you know what i'm talking about Oh, I, like, I like that song. I like that song. It was so fantastic. You know? Those were the... Ah, that was Brian Adams. No? <laughs> you see that? It's so easy. Look at this. They wept. Who will give us meat? We remember the fish. We ate freely. See, this is, this is really, really our thought pattern. That is the reason why they could not enter into the promised land. You see, there are four places, spiritual places where the Israelites had to live in. First, they lived in Egypt. Egypt was a world where they were surrounded by slaves and they were slaves of sin, they were slaves of their passions, they were slaves of everything, of the, of the devil. They were servants of Pharaoh. God brought them out. They did nothing. By the blood of the Passover lamb, they came out. The second place that came was the wilderness. You know what the wilderness was? The place of unbelief. It's a map of unbelief. Thoughts of unbelief. Thoughts about the past. Thoughts about what they left. The good old days. They have not realized. You know what Paul says? I consider it everything as what? Dung. Have you thought about dung early in the morning? You just want to get rid of it. Not think about it. How many of you say, oh that is dung. Have you ever said that? That's exactly what they think. The thoughts of, there's a land of unbelief. And there's a third, third land called the promised land where they were to fight and obtain the promises of God. God had given them the promised land, but they had to fight. And there was a fourth place called Babylon where they were chastised. Because they didn't take good care of the promised land. You know where they start the promised land? Jericho. Right? They enter into the promised land through Jericho. You know where they end in the promised land? Where, you know where they end ultimately? You know from where they are led into captivity? You know where Zedekiah is slaughtered? You know where they are, where they are slaughtered? Exactly at Jericho. That the book ends of the, of the, of the, of the people of Israel. That's the book ends. They start at Jericho, they end at Jericho. They are, they slaughter all the Canaanites and Jericho. And what happens? The final king of Israel, of Judah, is slaughtered in Jericho. That is how the two bookends of, of, of the life of Israel, of Judah ends. And they led into captivity. So that is the reason why we are either in three places. We are still in, either in Egypt or still wandering in the promised land and in the futility of our mind and wasting our thoughts, wasting our energies or we are fighting and gaining our promises or we are being chastised. Where are you today? Which place are you today? Where are you today, my dear brothers? Are you being chastised by God? You see. Look at what it says. It's a, it's a spiritual principle, you see. Luke 5 verse, verse 38. New wines must be put in new wineskins so that both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires the new. For he says, ah, the old is better. That's the reason why the name of the monk is also old monk. I don't know why they call it old monk. 
what, what happens? They become wasters of time and wasters of God's resources. Oh, all the manna they consumed, all the health that they enjoyed, all the good things that the God had done, where did they go? They were loitering and rotting in the desert. You know, they get into a rut, they rot and they die. That's what they, that, that was their cave. Wilderness becomes their cave ultimately. They, because they are caved in by their past, if you will. They're thinking about their past. They're thinking about the failures of their past. Oh, wish, I wish. How many of you say, I wish, I wish. But my dear brothers and sisters, you cannot go to the past. Only one person can go to the past and change it. You know who that is? That is God. Because that is the reason why he says, I'm the Alpha and I'm the Alpha. You know what that means? Every alpha, every word in the Bible or any, any language is between two words, two letters. What is it? Alpha. Whatever you want, I am. That's it. You can name it and you can claim it. There's only one person who can go to the past and change everything. That is me. Trust me. And we don't want to go there. We still reminisce about the past. We still think. And what do we do in the process? We waste our time. We don't look at the opportunity that is ahead of us. We don't look at these opportunities that God has given us. And what are we doing? We're wasting our times and our resources. So three thoughts. Iniquitous thoughts. Anxious thoughts. Futile thoughts. So what should we say? You know what should we say? Everybody say this word together. Enough, Lord. <laughs> enough is enough. 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 You know who said that? I didn't say it. This is Peter's words. First Peter chapter 4. He <laughs> says, Since therefore Christ also suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of Ah, change your thoughts. For whosoever has ceased to uh, uh, suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And you have not suffered until bloodshed, right? Striving against sin. How many of you really shed blood? Not yet, no? Actually, I don't think anybody will. Fasting itself is so difficult for us. Bah! For that we make a long face sometimes. Huh? For the time, look at what it is, so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices. Enough, Lord. Okay, enough, Lord. We have eaten, enough. We have watched, enough. We have heard, enough. But now, Lord, for the rest of my life, I want to make up my mind to follow you. Decisive. There's no indecision. You know what? One of the things that a leader should not have? Indecision. That's the reason why we have this, you know? One in the cantonment when you go, there are bulls there and every, every uh, regiment has its own banner. Bash on, regardless. I like that word. Bash on, regardless. That is bull. It will bash the lion also and give it a run for its life, for its money. Have you seen Battle at Kruger? How they save their uh, young one? You should see Battle at Kruger on National Geographic. Enough, Lord. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join in the same flood of debauchery or dissipation. And they malign you. They malign you. They will call all kinds of names to you. But Lord, it is enough. I have my mind made up. And I won't turn back. Enough. Second, you know what you do? Second Corinthians chapter 10. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but of, but have a divine power to destroy strongholds. How do we do it? We destroy arguments. Other translations will use the word imaginations. And 
how do, what do we do to those imaginations? We destroy them. You know what the word for destroy is? Destroy means to crucify and to bring down and put it in the tomb. That's what it means. What did they, what did they do to Jesus? They took him, crucified him, took him down from the cross and they buried him in the tomb. That's what you need to do with your thoughts. That's what you need to do, do with your thoughts. And what should you do? You have to take captive. You know what captive means? You fight the war and take them captive. And what do you do with your captors? That's what it means. No? Don't try to act smart. Be a captive. Know your place. Don't try to be a master. I am your master. You are not my master anymore. For sin shall not what? Have dominion over us because we are no longer under being ready to punish every disobedience. Put to death and take captive. So how do we do that? Colossians chapter 3. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts and your minds not on earthly things, but on things above. So what do you do? Put to death everything which belongs to earth. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, what is coming? The wrath of the Lord. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I am going to put to that. I cannot do it in my own strength. The moment you start putting to that, you know what, brothers and sisters? You start overcoming your own flesh. You know what will happen? Confidence will come. Not confidence in yourself, confidence in God. You overcome anger. You It takes great courage to overcome anger than to take a city. That's what it says. A person who overcomes his anger is better than a guy who takes... Takes a city. Rules of his own spirit. And you get courage. Little, little things. Come on time. Slowly develop these. You know what happens? Strength and courage. Strength and courage. Strength and courage. And one day what will happen? You will become very strong and very courageous because you took care of little things in your life. Little things. One of the things that we need to really put off is laziness. Lazy. Sloth. All of us. I mean, we have different uh, levels of laziness, no? So every time, every four years, you have to be, feel like an idiot, no? You have to go to another level. So you said, Lord, where am I? You should really, you should keep climbing that mountain. Like Joshua did. So, Joshua chapter 1. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you Where? Ever you go and every place the sole of your feet will tread upon. What is God giving you? I have what? I have given you. Yes, not I will give you. I have given you. Go and possess it, man. Take it. Take it. So, in order to do that, three thought patterns you have to overcome. First is what? Iniquitous thoughts. Second is what? Indecisive thoughts. Third is what? Futile time waste thoughts of the past. So this morning, even as we end, we are done. Let's pray and say, ask God, Lord, grant us the grace, O Lord, in these last days. Like Joshua, meditate upon your word and gain strength for your journey. Father, this morning, O Lord, we commit ourselves to your kind hands, O Lord. All of us, we need, O Lord, that desire to will and to obey. Lord, some of us don't even have the desire. You have to create the desire. 
Your word says, O oh Lord, that you grant us repentance. Even the ability to change our mind, you have to grant. And I pray, Lord, you see the desire in each one of your children this morning and you grant us all the desire. Your word says, according to your faith, let it be done unto you. And may you find faith, O oh Lord, in each one of us. That we will have the grace, O oh Lord, to put away iniquitous thoughts which rent space in our minds. Thoughts of unforgiveness. Thoughts of jealousy, envy and pride. Thoughts of self-righteousness. Your word says if any man thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Lord, grant us grace, O Lord, that we will overcome those iniquitous thoughts. We will replace it by the word of God. That we will meditate, O Lord. We will take opportunities to listen to your word and read and study and meditate every Every opportunity that you give to us that we will redeem our time knowing that the days are evil. And that we will become decisive. We will make decisions, O Lord, which is according to your spirit. We will not be people who will be afraid to take risks. That we will truly be risk takers, O Lord. And we will be like Esther. We will say if we perish, we perish. But let the will of God be done in our lives. Lord, have, have mercy. Have mercy on all of us, Lord. Let us not waste our time with futile thinking. Thinking about the failures of the past or even in the victories of the past. Let us be like, like, like Paul who said, forgetting the things which are behind and looking forward to the upward calling of Christ Jesus for which the Lord has taken hold of me. Let me hold on to that for which Christ has taken hold of me and not give up, O Lord. Let us not waste the energies and the resources that you have given to us and waste them, O Lord, in futile thinking, thinking about the past and thinking about things which do not profit us. Grant us grace, O Lord. Strengthen us for the journey that is ahead of us. Grant us courage, O Lord. And when we obey, O Lord, we believe, O Lord. When we obey the least of the commandments, O Lord, we believe, O Lord, the Spirit of the Lord is going to give us courage. And we will have, O Father, the resources of courage, O Lord, Father, because we will have a lifestyle of obedience, O Lord Jesus. Because your word says, he who practices righteousness is righteous. Enable us, Lord Jesus, to practice righteousness, O Lord. And let us have the deposit of courage in each one of our lives, O Lord. Grant us strength for the journey that is ahead of us. Thank you, Father. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and cause us, O Lord, to walk in your ways. You promised, O Lord, in the new covenant that you will write your laws in the deepmost parts of our inner man and that you will cause us to walk in your ways. Cause us, O Lord. Circumcise our hearts, O Lord, and cause us to walk in your ways. We thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Father, for the warnings that you've been sending sending to us, O Lord. Let us find, O Lord, let you find among us, O Lord, people who have made the decisions and who have girded the loins of their minds and have been prepared for action. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with each one of us. For in Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord richly bless all of us. Amen.